Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to be back with you. Won't you stand to your feet as we sing to our Savior this morning, how great is our God this morning. Won't you proclaim it with me as we sing to him. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice, it trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. And age to age he stands. And time is in his hands. Beginning and the end. Beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one. Father, Spirit, and Son. The Lion and the Lamb. The Lion and the church that video you just watched was filmed just over a month ago right outside of anchorage alaska crazy right church i'm here this morning to thank you for sending us on mission when you pray for us while we're gone you are sending us well and for your positive comments that you make for us during the week it means so much to us i had such a good time running around the church all week taking pictures so that I could post them on the church's mission page every day so that you could keep up with what we were doing. And I read every single comment and they were so encouraging, so thank you for that. I even saw those comments that said, maybe next year I need to go to Alaska. And yes, you do, I saw you. 
And church, thank you so much for your uh, generous giving to the Harvest Fund. With those contributions, you helped 18 people be able to go to Anchorage, Alaska in June. They gave up time from their family, their job, and they were able to do that because of your generous donations. So thank you. I put together a short presentation for you to watch this morning so you can follow along if you didn't see it on Facebook. In four short days, we accomplished more than you can imagine. I hope you'll enjoy it. And as you're watching it, I hope you'll think, hmm, maybe next year it's time for me to go north to Alaska. Way up Big Sam left Seattle in the year of 92 With George Pratt, his partner, and brother Billy, too They crossed the Yukon River and found the Bonanza Gold Below that old white mountain, just a little southeast of Nome Sam crossed the majestic mountains to the valleys far below he talked to his team of huskies as he mushed on through the snow with the northern lights are running wild in the land of the midnight sun yes sam mccord was a mighty man in the year of 1901 where the river is winding big nuggets they're finding north to alaska the go north the rush is over we Good morning. I hope you enjoyed that. Janet is actually in Paris uh, as we meet this morning. They're about five hours ahead of us, so they're already underway on their Sunday at work uh, with a team over there. So be praying for them this week and be watching the website. You'll see more uh, updates each day for what they're doing uh, in Paris this week. Church plant over there, I think less than 2% of the people that are in Paris are churched. Uh, they, they're trying to plant a church there, so they'll be working with a missionary and so you'll be praying for them as they're there. We just got back from Soldotna, Alaska, too, with a team that worked at uh, Solid Rock Bible Camp. You'll be hearing more about that in the future. And I uh, just want to encourage you to, to be involved in missions. We thank you for all that you give. And it's so encouraging to see all of you that are going now and have gotten bitten by the mission bug. Um, it is a great thing, and we want to encourage all of you to come be a part of that. Let me welcome everybody today uh, to our service. We're thankful that you're here and you chose to come and be a part of this worship service. There is a care card that's located in the pew rack there in front of you. Uh, we would love for you to fill that out, especially if you're a guest, to fill that in and let us know if you need any information from the church. And then on the back of the care card is a place for you to fill in prayer needs. And we do get these as a staff. We want to be praying for you as our church family. And so take a moment, if you have a prayer need, to fill that in. As you leave today, there are two giving boxes uh, on either side of the double door. You can place those in those slots, and our ladies will make sure uh, those get to the right people and that we get information in your hands. So thank you uh, again for being here and being a part of worship today.
few announcements. We do have a new ladies' Bible study starting on Thursday, August the 10th. Uh, he's where the joy is. It's, there are two different times you can take that at 10 in the morning and 6.30 in the evening on Thursdays in the small fellowship hall. Uh, and so get signed up at the information desk for that. begins again on August the 10th. And then Matt and Darian Tucker uh, are in the process to finish moving to Weaverville, North Carolina. That's near Asheville to go into full-time ministry there at a church. They've been called there. Uh, Matt is still kind of commuting back and forth to help with uh, youth internship, and he'll, he'll be leaving at the end of the month. We would like to encourage them by taking up a special love offering for them uh, as they leave. So on July 30th, if you would pray, we'll have the usher stationed at the doors. Uh, if you would pray about what God would have you to give, we would love to send them off uh, with a gift just to encourage them from their home church uh, as they go. We, we'll miss them. It's one of those bittersweet things. We, we selfishly would love to keep them here, but we know that God has some great plans for them uh, in Weaverville, so we want to send them off uh, and just see that's, that's what we want to do as a staff, as a church. Uh, that's a sign of health is when we see people come, are trained, and then we send them out uh, to go and serve God in ways like Matt and Darian are doing. So we're excited for them. Folks, what a blessing grief share has been to those that have been a part of that ministry. Uh, if you've lost a spouse, a child, other family member, uh, or a friend and need biblical, godly encouragement, grief share can help you. Uh, there's a table in the lobby. Our, our next session begins on August the 1st. That's a Tuesday night. I'm sorry, Tuesday morning at 930. And so if you'll go by the table, there's information there for you to sign up and want to encourage you to do if you're dealing with some of that. Uh, some of that grief. Go by and do that. Also, deacon nomination forms are due Sunday, July 23rd. That's next Sunday. Those are available uh, in your community group, or you can go by the info desk in the lobby and get one of those and get your nominations in. We have a very special treat this morning. Uh, Logan and Lisa Dagley are home to North Carolina for some time of rest, uh, and Logan is with us this morning. Uh, Logan grew up here I think he started coming to church here around fourth or fifth grade and came all the way through our youth program here and went off to college and seminary and actually get graduate school and worked for Summit Church in the Raleigh-Durham area for several years as a campus pastor and then felt God's call to be a church planner and moved him and at that time his, what was it, four or three kids at the time, had his fourth one on the field to Brooklyn, New York. Folks, people don't move from North Carolina to New York. It's the other way around. But so he knew it was God's call uh, to go up there, and he has been um, working in, in, in the field up there in Brooklyn. Uh, they're close to breaking the 200 uh, in attendance mark now with their church and seeing people come to know Christ. Uh, just a lot of exciting things happening, bringing him some new staff people up there to help him. I know that's been a huge encouragement to him. But folks, pray for him. Pray, pray for Logan. He's going to come and share just a moment about what, what's going on in Brooklyn, then he's going to open up our time in prayer. Uh, Logan, you come share with us. Good morning. Uh, first, I want to st start by saying thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Thank you for sending teams to serve alongside of us. They've been a huge blessing and a gift to us. And you guys are one of our favorite partners, my favorite partner, because this is the church, as Kevin said, where I came to know Jesus and was discipled. This is the church where I started 
ministry, doing an internship with Kevin in the, in the youth ministry. So I'm just extremely grateful for you all and grateful for uh, the ministry here at Pitts. So a uh, brief update about what God is doing um, in New York City. Um, coming out of COVID, you know, it was a really, it's been a really wild season for us, but we've seen God's grace. And as we've been praying, it's like, okay, God, what would you, what are the areas of most need you would have us engage in? We've really um, uh, seen three priorities in our ministry. The first is in next generation ministry. So from cradle through college, as we looked at the mission field, we realized one of the greatest needs was in the next generation. There are over 1.7 million kids in the public school system alone in New York City. 1.7 kids in the public school system alone. And so we begin to ask, who's reaching them with the gospel? How are they hearing about Christ? Who is mentoring and discipling them? So we've been able to launch a student ministry, which we've been, we've been thrilled about. We've been able to launch a college discipleship ministry. Uh, college discipleship groups, and we've seen kids now taking the step of following Christ, being baptized, and then now serving in the ministry and the mission. So reaching the next generation has been a priority. Second, serving our neighbors. New York has gone through a really rough season where there's been a lot of hurting people. So for us, we, uh, we've been working with a local elementary school and say, hey, what, what are the needs? Where can we step in as Jesus's hands and feet? And they said, honestly, our families need food. So we started a food pantry out of our church. Um, we're doing it once a month right now. We hope to do it more frequently. Where I mean, we start at 10 o'clock and it's lined all the way down the block with people waiting to get food. And from that ministry, we've been, been able to get to know a lot of our neighbors and seen some of them uh, come and be engaged in the church. Some of them come to know Christ. Some of them getting their kids plugged in to our ministries. In fact, there's, there's one lady who came who was a part of the uh, homeless shelter who, a block from our church. She came. She came to get food. Then she came to the church. Then she began getting disciple. And now she is serving in that very ministry where she first was being served. Uh, and finally, we uh, not only are trying to reach the next generation to serve our neighbors, we're trying to multiply disciples. I remember when I first moved there asking a more senior pastor, what are the greatest needs you see in your ministry in the city? I thought for sure he was going to say money because uh, it's very expensive. He said, no, no, it's not money. What we need is leaders. We need people who own the mission and who are able to pass it on to others. So we've invested a lot in um, seeing people reach with the gospel, but not just converts, but people reach with the gospel, built up in the faith, and then uh, empowered to disciple others. And that's seeing that multiplication effect take place. So we've launched community groups where people can come and be discipled and then launch their own group to disciple, to disciple others. Uh, we've been really excited to see the nations being reached for Christ in New York City. We have, um, we're still a small church, but we have over 25 nations represented in our church uh, from all over the world. So it's been a real blessing to see that diversity and those different people groups coming to know Jesus. So as you think about us, pray for us. Uh, those three areas, would be, we'd love your prayers for those. Uh, and I'll, I'll pray for us as we continue uh, to worship this morning. Father, we're grateful for a moment to be together, to be in your presence. We're grateful this morning to hear from your word, to sing songs of worship and praise that you are worthy of. 
So God, would you realign our hearts and our minds this morning to put you first, to see how great and powerful and awesome and great you are, as we've already sung about, how great is our God. God, would you captivate us with a vision of how great you are, how loving, how gracious, how near. So Father, as we worship, would you continue to show us more of who you are? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Would you stand as we sing to our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the darkness we were away without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came run, there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. To reveal the kingdom come, then to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. That storm was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old. Shall not kneel, shall not fade by his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free for the love of Jesus Christ who has resurrected
singing today. Good to see everybody. Uh, Let me invite you to turn to Mark chapter 14 as we continue our journey through the gospel of Mark looking this morning uh, at an episode that I've entitled Extravagant Love. You know I said at the beginning that Mark, uh, one of the characteristics of Mark's gospel is he loves to use a literary sandwich in various places. And the episode we look at this morning is the inside of that sandwich because Mark has just recorded for us opposition of Jesus by the religious leaders. And then the episode that will come after today's is Judas's betrayal. And right in between the two, the filling of the sandwich is this episode of extravagant love on the part of this lady. And so we'll be looking this morning at verses 1 to 13. So I'm going to ask you in just a moment to stand with me, not yet, but stand with me in a moment for the reading of God's Word. I do want to ask you to be in prayer this week for the mission group that is even now in Paris And then also, uh, tomorrow morning, we will have uh, youth people leaving for youth camp, their summer youth camp. Same with children. The children's ministry will be going to their uh, summer camp. It's going to be a ghost town around here this week. And so if you die, you may have to preach your own funeral because, I mean, everybody's gone this week. And because of that, so many uh, leaders gone and so many areas vacant this week. Uh, there, there are no Wednesday night activities this week just because of the absence of leaders and people. It's a very busy week in the, in the life of our church. So pray for these camps going on. Pray for the mission trips. Uh, that'll give you something to, to add to your devotional time uh, this week. It's also good to... See, Logan with us this morning, I still remember, I always remember uh, the youth trailer and, and the columns in the middle and how Kevin Seeger would have to go to each side of the column to uh, speak to the groups. And he lost some kind of challenge. Logan had really long hair. Uh, and he lost some kind of challenge. And uh, Kevin Seeger uh, shaved his head because he lost I don't remember what that was now but I still remember him sitting out by the youth trailer and Kevin Seeger had his razor and buzzing that real long hair that Logan had buzzing it all off but anyway it's good to see Logan uh, with us today Uh, I'm going to invite you now to stand with me for the reading of God's word Mark chapter 14 beginning in verse 1 Mark says it was now Two days before the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. And the chief priest and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. 
And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came in with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's think a moment this morning about some of the world's most extravagant gifts. If you were to look up online, what, what are some of those that would top the list? The following would be just a sampling. Tenth on the list was the handbag that David Beckham bought for his wife Victoria one recent Christmas. He paid almost $130,000 for that purse. Another on the list are the gifts that King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia lavished upon President Obama in the first year of his presidency. There were almost a million dollars worth of gifts that King Abdullah gave to Obama and Michelle and their girls. Costly items of watches and jewelry. The Obamas had to receive it so as not to insult another culture. But of course, by our rules, they could not keep those gifts. And so they were put in a national archive. Another on the list was the Statue of Liberty that, that the French gave to, you, to the United States. It stands at 151 feet high and it is a symbol of freedom and liberty. Now the statue represents Libertas, the Roman goddess of freedom. And she's bearing a torch and a stone tablet on which is written the Declaration of Independence. Now at the time that the French gave it to the U.S. it cost them roughly 530,000 U.S. dollars to build. If you were to bring that into today's monetary terms the materials alone not counting the labor would be about 15 million dollars. Then there's the diamond ring that rapper Jay-Z gave to his wife, Beyonce. It's an 18-carat diamond ring valued at $5 million. Now, while in public, she wears a $5,000 imitation for safety. But topping the list is the Taj Mahal. Emperor Shah Jahan built it as a monument 
uh, of his love for his wife. She died in childbirth at age 39 while in labor with their 14th child. Her death shattered the emperor who built this as a monument to her, a mausoleum, and he wanted it to be something so beautiful that people all over the world would come to see it, and he wanted it to honor her life. It took 22 years to build, 20,000 workers. It was begun in 1653, and, and it would have cost, believe it or not, only 710000 U.S. dollars at the time. Again, though, the year was 1653. You know, folks, the world thinks nothing of these kinds of lavish acts. Because every day, what do we see? Every day in the world, somewhere, we see millions, maybe even billions of dollars being spent on things that we would refer to as being lavish. But you know, let something lavish be done in the name of the Lord. And you know what's going to happen. People are going to complain. The world has no issue with lavish wealth, lavish trips, lavish entertainment. But let somebody do something lavish in regards to their faith or their religion. And everybody will complain and label them as being a fanatic. This is such a wonderful episode in the life of the Lord Jesus. It's an episode, a story showing extravagant love. And you know, those are not words, at least the word extravagant is not a word that we would normally associate with the life of the Lord Jesus. Remember what he told folks? who wanted to follow him in Luke chapter 9. He said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. On one occasion, he sent Simon Peter fishing that he would catch a fish that would have a coin in it so that they could pay their taxes. He was certainly not lavish. You know, sometimes you wonder today what Jesus would think about much of what we do. And yet I want you to notice here, he commends this lavish gift given to him, this lavish act of love, demonstration of love that was shown to him. Here was a woman who was willing to be broken and spilled out for the Lord. It didn't matter what others thought. She wanted to give everything she had to Jesus. Now, she's been identified as Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. There's another story like this in Luke chapter 7, but that's an entirely different woman altogether. Now, what is striking about this scene is how her act of lavishness touched the heart of the Lord Jesus. You know, we think of Jesus touching our hearts. But here's a situation in which his heart was touched. And that's what Mary did. This lavish gift so impressed the Lord that he promised Mary universal and unending commemoration. 
Now I want you to notice again the setting of this scene. It's a banquet, and the banquet, we're told, took place at the house of Simon the leper. Now it's believed this was a banquet of thanksgiving given by Simon in appreciation of Jesus healing him of his leprosy. It's also believed that maybe Simon was the father of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Now, speaking of Lazarus, John's gospel tells us that Lazarus was there too, and Jesus had raised him from the dead, obviously. So here's Mary and Martha, uh, uh, the sisters of Lazarus, who were present. Uh, and, and you'll notice what Martha is doing. She's, she's serving. And in addition to the meal being a Thanksgiving meal from Simon, it's probably a meal honoring uh, the raising of Lazarus as well. And so think again a moment of the characters here. There's Simon, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And then there would be a good number of friends and family members present. And Matthew's gospel tells us that the 12 disciples were, of course, all also there. And so all in all, it's a pretty sizable crowd. And think about the mood. There's Simon. Been healed of leprosy. A dreaded disease that would have made him an outcast in society. It was a very lonely existence. You would have to cry out, leper, leper, if anybody approached you so they would stay away from you. And now he's been healed. He can move among family and friends again. He can be a, a, a productive member of society. And so no doubt he's very, very grateful. There's that mood of gratitude. Here's Lazarus. He's been raised from the dead. And there he is eating fried chicken and banana pudding with the rest of them. And Mary and Martha, they're so comforted that their brother has been raised from the dead. Folks, what I'm saying is every single one of them had reason to rejoice. Every single one of them had reason to be extravagant in their displays of love. But you'll notice only one showed such displays of love. Here was a woman who was so thankful for what Christ had done in her family. She wasn't ashamed to show thanks. And so what we learn in this story is grace, that, uh, that how God's grace ought to be responded to by our acts of devotion and gratitude. And it ought to be acts of gratitude and devotion where we're not being stingy and measuring out the small doses that we'll give back to him of ourselves and of our resources. But folks, we ought to be willing to give anything and everything if need be. I want you to see first of all with me this morning, devotion to Christ calls for extravagance, the right kind of extravagance that is. And that's what Mary did. Mary offered to Jesus something of great value. It appears it was a spontaneous act of love. Now I want you to picture this scene. They're all there. They're around the table. They've enjoyed food and fellowship together. Jesus is talking. And all of a sudden Mary just quietly gets up, slips out, comes back in with a flask of precious perfume and ointment. 
And it would have been in a very special container. We're told it was an alabaster jar. And such a jar had a long slender neck. And you would crush and break the neck to get the contents out. And once the neck was broken or crushed, you, you had to use up, you had to pour out the entire contents. And that's what she does. Mary broke with tradition and she did something risky. She entered a room full of men to do this. And she breaks the neck off the bottle. She pours the whole contents over the head and the feet of Jesus as everybody else is watching in amazement. It is such an open, lavish display of love. She took the risk. She was open with it. It was based upon her devotion. She didn't care about criticism. She didn't care about custom. She didn't care about the cost. She went above and beyond what everybody else was doing and what would have been considered customary. It would have been customary to take a cheap bottle of oil and perfume and anoint a guest with that. But she does the opposite. She didn't take cheap perfume and she didn't take just a little bit. What we're told Mary offered was a pure pound or a, a, a pound of pure nard. It was the best. Pure nard was an aromatic perfume that came from the dried root of the Himalayan plant in India. It, it was rare to have so much of it, and it said that hers was pure. It, it was so expensive that sometimes it would be mixed with cheaper oils and perfumes just to make it go further, to sort of water it down, dilute it down. She didn't do that. It represents something very precious, very costly, very rare. It's something that you would normally hold on to for years and years and years and save it for a very special occasion. Maybe Mary has been saving this for either her wedding or maybe her own anointing at her death. And we're told that it cost 300 denarii. One denarii was the wage for an average worker in that day. So here's a bottle of perfume that is almost your entire annual salary. But you know, Mary felt that Jesus was worth any expense. You know, a lot of times we're the opposite of that, aren't we? We calculate what we'll give. It makes me think of the fellow who called his girlfriend and said, Darling, I love you. I'd climb the highest mountains for you. I'd swim the deepest oceans for you. I'd fight a jungle full of tigers for you. And if it doesn't rain tonight, I'll be over to see you. <laughs> Folks, Jesus deserves our best. And you know what? Real love doesn't draw limits. This isn't intended to be a tithing message. But I think of an illustration, an application of that. I, I think of the miserly man that I, I read about. He attended a church where they had an annual pledge campaign 
for their tie that they would give the next year. And people would walk forward and they would drop a little card in a basket that would show what their tithe was going to be for the next year. And an extremely wealthy man walked down the aisle and he dropped his pledge in the basket and the pastor saw that it was for $35 a week. And after the service, he went up to that man and said, You are a financial genius. And the man said, Why do you say that? He said, Well, you live in a million-dollar home. You and your family, you've got a, a mountain home. You've got a beach home. Y'all take a month or two off every year and travel the world. You've got very expensive luxury automobiles sitting in your driveway. And you and your family do all of that for $350 a week. You're a genius. Have you ever done anything lavish? Mary did something lavish for Jesus because she loved him and he deserved it. Folks, he deserves our best. There's a story called The Gift of the Magi. It's the story of a young couple by the name of Della and Jim. They were a poor couple, but they loved one another deeply. And each had their unique possession. Della's hair was her pride and joy. When she let her hair down, it was like a long, thick, silky black robe that went all the way down her back. Jim's pride and joy was an expensive gold watch, which his father had given to him, and the grandfather had given it to Jim's father, and it had been passed down. On the day before Christmas... Jim and Della realized that neither one of them had anything to give to the other one for Christmas. And so Della did something shocking. She went out and contacted one of these groups. She sold her hair and had her long flowing hair cut off. And with the money from that, she went out and bought Jim the gift she wanted to buy him that Christmas. When Jim came home that evening, he was shocked to all of a sudden see her hair gone. And he pulled out the gift that he had gone out and bought for Della. He had traded in that heirloom watch that had been passed down to him. So he could buy Della some precious tortoiseshell hair combs with embedded jewels in them so she could put in her hair. Each one of them had given the most expensive thing that they owned or was of value to them to the other. Folks, look at how much more Jesus has given to us and how deserving he is of whatever we give to him. Second thing I want you to see, such extravagance can be misunderstood. Some, you'll notice, respond with indignation. The crowd didn't approve. They felt like it was a waste. They began to calculate a year's wage. And again, that just shows how valuable it was. And they rebuke Mary for doing this. And in John's gospel, we're told who it was that led the rebuke. It was none other than Judas. Judas was the one who kept the money pouch for the disciples. He was like their treasurer. And, and the Bible tells us he was greedy. He would have liked to have 
taken that, sold it, and got all the money to put in the money pouch that, that he would have access to it. And so he leads the charge, apparently, uh, uh, against uh, the criticism against Mary. You know, there's another place in Scripture where Mary is again being criticized. In Luke 10, Jesus is in the house teaching. There's Martha serving. There's Mary seated at the feet of Jesus. Martha comes running in exasperated because her sister is not helping her serve. And she says, Lord, do you not see what I'm trying to do? Make my sister serve along with me. And Jesus told Martha... That she was concerned about many things and Mary had chosen the best and it wouldn't be taken away from her. Folks, there's always going to be critics. Don't base what you do on critics. If you base what you do on critics, you won't do anything for the Lord and then you'll end up being criticized about that too. You know, some will say, I cannot believe... That she's given her life and her heart to Jesus. Have you ever had people like that? Maybe young people you were running with the wrong crowd. And you got saved and they couldn't believe you got saved. I told you before that's how it was with my, one of my best friends growing up. He absolutely could not believe it and was critical. When I got saved and God called me into the ministry. Because here was one of his party boys that I made clear to him. I wasn't available to go out and party with him anymore. And he didn't understand somebody who would want to get saved and live for Jesus. Somebody else says, I can't believe he's taking his family to a difficult place like that to pastor or be a missionary and serve. Can't believe he's done something like that. Maybe gave up a lucrative career. Think about Matt and Darian. Tucker, a lucrative real estate career, and he gave all that up to go into the ministry. Some people say, can't believe they do something like that. But you know what people are saying? What people are saying when they criticize somebody for doing something like that for Jesus, what they're really saying is, Jesus isn't worth that to me. It's a waste what she's doing. It's a waste what he's doing. It seems like a waste to me. They're essentially saying, Jesus isn't worth something like that. Oh, I'll give him a little dab here or there. I'll do something that's not a huge sacrifice here or there. You know, if it's good for me, if I can get something out of it, if it's convenient for me and doesn't ask too much for me, I'll do something like that for him. But I'm not going to do something like that. That just seems like a waste. But you know what? Mary's heart was touched by the Lord. She didn't consider it a waste to give him everything she had. She didn't pay attention to the critics. Third thing I want you to see, the Lord Jesus commended such extravagance. You know, the world will say, let's don't go overboard with this Jesus stuff. I mean, let's keep everything in perspective. Just enough Jesus to soothe your conscience, make you feel a little bit better. But let's don't get, get too serious now. After all, again, we don't want to be called Jesus freaks. But notice what Jesus does. He commends the beauty and the lavishness for his sake. 
and he commends the timing of it all. He's about to go to the cross. Moments are fleeting by. Opportunities are fleeting by. Some feel like when Jesus went to the cross, he still had the odor of this perfume on his body. Indeed, she anointed his body for burial. This is probably the last truly selfless act that anybody did for Christ. Folks, the opportunities we have for Jesus, whatever opportunity you have right now, maybe He's calling you to do something that you're trying to calculate. You know, whatever opportunity it is, whatever moment it is, maybe fleeing by and, and a moment like this is never going to come around again. Sometimes we just have to act. And I want you to think of what Jesus says about her. Uh, you know, what she's done here everywhere that this is spoken of what this woman has done will be known and will be told and and so more than 2,000 years later we're still talking about what Mary did had they taken this perfume and sold it for 300 denarii and given to the poor you know what probably within a week's time it would all be forgotten but because of what Mary did we're still talking about it today Mary's extravagant love has not been forgotten. You know, God keeps perfect memories, doesn't he? Keeps perfect records. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. The day of the Lord will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on, on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. God keeps perfect records. What Mary did here was not forgotten. Of Judas, it would be said by Jesus. Remember what Jesus said of Judas? It would be better for him if he would have never been born. But of Mary, Jesus said, what she's done will always be remembered. And he said it's a good thing that she's done. Two words in the Greek language for good. The first is something that is morally good. The second is something that is not only morally good, but it's also beautiful. And it's that second word that Jesus applies to Mary. What she's done is, is, is beautiful. It's not only morally good, but it's also beautiful. And he went on to say, she's done what she could. I want you to think about Mary for a minute. 
She's done what she could. Ladies, she was married to the first century version of Martha Stewart. Right? I mean, if Martha were alive today, she'd probably have a TV show on HGTV. She'd have articles and better homes and gardens. She might even have one of those as a Saturday morning cooking shows. I mean, that's who Martha was. That wasn't Mary. Mary apparently wasn't built that way. Martha would do these acts of service, diligent service. That's not Mary. So what did Mary do? Mary did what she could. She wasn't Peter. She wasn't like James and John. She might have thought, what can I do? And it hit her. She could do what she could. And you know, that's what some of you need to start doing. You need to stop comparing yourself. Well, look at what so-and-so does in the church. I can't do that. Look at what she does. Look at what he does. Look at what they're doing over there. That's not me. I can't, I can't do any of that. And that may be true. God's built you differently. And so what's God asking of you and me? God's asking of you and me that we would do, like Mary did, what we can do. You do what you can do and give what you can give. Some people say, oh, if I only had more talent, if I only had more money, man, if I were a millionaire, I'd do this. You know what you do? It's been shown. You do with what you got in the $100 in your pocket right now if you had a million dollars. Seriously, the Bible talks about that. The Bible says, he that is faithful in little is faithful also in much. And it says, if you're not faithful in little things, you won't be faithful in bigger things. In fact, God has a way of giving bigger things to those who are giving with the little things. What little act of service do you think you could do? But you're withholding that because it doesn't seem like much. What little resource maybe are you not sharing because you think it's just little bits. I won't even do that. We need to take a page out of Mary's life and do what we can. Do what God leads us to do. That's what Jesus wants of me and you. He wants you and he wants your best. You know, it'd be like if you had twins, and let's say one twin, I mean, he was as bright as could be, and, and he was going to go to UNC or State or Duke or whatever and study medicine, chemistry, whatever. He'd always been a, a 4.0 student. Maybe his twin brother, something happened at, at delivery, and that brother wasn't quite right and, and just never really quite got his life together. The, the, the one comes home, shows his report card. 4.0, top of the class. You'd be so proud of him. He did what he could. The other one, maybe, even though he's older, young adult, colors something that's like something a three-year-old would color. And he brings that to you. You know what you do, right? You would be just as proud as what he did. Because he had done what he could. Mary did what she could. She gave her herself, she gave her best, and it was beautiful in the eyes of Jesus.
Dr. Danny Aiken is the president of Southeastern Seminary. He talks about one of the first churches he went to one time. He said in the youth center, they had this ragged furniture. I mean, everybody would have been shamed for a guest to see it. It was in the youth center, and the church got together and said, you know what, we ought to, we ought to put some better stuff in there. You know what everybody did? Everybody went home and picked out the junkiest stuff they had in their house that they wanted to put out by the curb anyway. And they collected all that, got that out of their house. They went and replaced it. They bought themselves the best, and they gave their old leftovers to the Youth Student Center. And Danny Aiken, to this day, he writes, he said, You know what? I'm ashamed of what we did. Why didn't we consider a building on our church campus to be deserving of the best? We went out and got the best for ourselves, and we gave the Student Center the leftovers. Isn't that so true of us oftentimes? But you know what? I don't want to stop here. Let's think about what God has done for us. What's the Bible say? Praise be to God. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, praise be to God for his unspeakable gift. Paul is saying God's done something for us that is so great, so magnificent, so lavish, you can't even put it into words. It's the unspeakable gift. And what is that gift? It's the gift of his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And let's don't even stop there. Let's think about Jesus Christ. What did he do on the cross? He poured out his life's blood. He laid down his life for you and me. He didn't deserve that death. You and I deserve a death like that. You and I deserve to receive the wrath of God against sin because we're sinners. Christ was sinless. And yet he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He literally poured out his life for you and me. He gave us the best. In light of what God's given in His Son, in light of what His Son's given on the cross, what is it that you and I have given? By way of comparison, it's really not that much. Some takeaways. First of all, I want you to see this morning, acts of gratitude to Christ are extremely fitting for one who is a disciple of him. Acts of gratitude to Christ are extremely fitting for one who is a disciple of him. Secondly, acts of gratitude sometimes present themselves in moments of opportunity that may, may be lost forever if we do not act. Thirdly, acts of gratitude may often be misunderstood by others who respond with criticism. And lastly, our acts of gratitude are meager compared to what God has done for us in Christ. I want to ask you something. How can you respond even this week somehow? And I can't answer this for you. You've got to answer this before God for yourself. How can you respond even this week with more thoughtful and meaningful expressions of devotion to Christ. 
How can you respond even this week somehow with more thoughtful and meaningful expressions of devotion to Christ? And are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? Father, I pray that when we look at our lives as Christians, that first of all, what we would look at as you, is your generosity towards us. You gave your all. You gave your best. And Father, I pray that we would meditate on what you've done for us and that it would deeply impact our daily lives. And Lord, that it would motivate us to look at our lives, what we're giving in return in our discipleship. How are we treating life? How are we treating Christian service? How are we treating our giving and our own expressions of love to you and to other people? Are we calculating that we'll do this but no more? Are we being stingy with what all you've blessed us with? I'm not just talking about finances, everything with what you've blessed us with. Are we stingily measuring it out to you and not really giving toward you what we should? God, I pray that this story of Mary would convict our hearts about what little we do and that we would take action that wherever we are we would move to a deeper growing level that we would give you what you deserve this week I pray that you would wake up every day and think about that think about our actions that day our conduct our generosity is it worthy of a disciple of Christ and for many perhaps it is praise God for others maybe their prayer would be God make me more like Mary Lord change our lives that we would offer to you we'd come to you with open hands instead of clenched fists that we'd offer our service our devotion our resources that we would display extravagant love towards you we pray in Jesus name